The voters must have been happy after the election was over. For months, they had endured vicious attacks made by members of two warning parties against each other, as time and time again issues were ignored in favor of personal attacks. One party was seen as caring more about the interests of the wealthy and supporting bankers and businesses. The other party was supposed to favor the working man, the farmer, and small businessman trying to eke out a living. The first party was said to be in the back pocket of America's most recent enemy, while the other party was much too devoted to the nation's first, even though many of its policies had changed since their first alliances ended. Then there were the candidates. One was the incumbent, a stay-at fellow of middle-class origins who was known to ruthlessly weed out his enemies. Another candidate had no federal experience and very little political experience at the state level. Having been born into a wealthy, politically active family, he vocally supported a strong military and insisted that America must stand strong against anyone who tried to rattle a saber in her direction. The third candidate was popular and good-looking, with extensive political experience at the state and federal level. Highly intelligent and well-educated, he was rumored to have loose morals and at least two mistresses. The final candidate was a hothead, known to shoot off his mouth at the least provocation. So wild were some of his ideas that even some of the members of his own party shunned him. So when did this election take place? In 1900 or 1980 or 2000? 2008? Though people characterize politics as nasty today, this election took place more than 200 years ago, during a time when America was supposedly a kinder and more gracious place. While that may be true of the common people, and even of some politicians, it was certainly never true of this group. Indeed, while George Washington is still remembered for his almost apolitical approach to governing the nation, the men who succeeded him, some of them his friends, were anything but apolitical. John Adams had been his vice president and succeeded him in office, but he was sensitive to every slight and difficult to get along with. Charles Pinckney had fought nobly under Washington's command during the Revolutionary War, but that did not mean that he would hesitate in spreading vicious rumors about another candidate, Thomas Jefferson, who hailed from Washington's home state and shared his love of farming. Finally, Aaron Burr would become so upset about the outcome of the election that he would eventually kill Washington's strong political ally, Alexander Hamilton, in a duel over slights he felt had been dealt him. Despite the awkwardness of the partisan differences between John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, the two had been close friends since their days at the Constitutional Convention in 1776. It was Adams who thought Jefferson best suited to write the Declaration. After the war, the two worked closely together as the new nation's chief diplomats abroad. Among all the Founding Fathers, Adams and Jefferson were the two most prominent who never contributed to the writing of the Constitution. Even during Adams' presidency and Thomas Jefferson's vice-presidency, the two managed to maintain cordiality throughout the conflict over the Alien and Sedition Acts. The election of 1800, however, effectively ended the friendship. Jefferson won the election, albeit narrowly, and denied Adams the second term he coveted. Adams escaped to Massachusetts and left a curt note about the state of the White House stables behind. No congratulations were exchanged, and the two men did not speak to one another for over a decade afterwards. Jefferson's election to the presidency also left an important electoral legacy. By 1800, the Alien and Sedition Acts had made Adams an unpopular president, especially in the South. Without formal parties to effectively nominate candidates in a president-vice-president ticket, the Democratic-Republicans had two nominees, Thomas Jefferson and New York's Aaron Burr, who had been tapped to serve as Jefferson's vice president. Once the Electoral College cast its ballots, Jefferson and Burr had the same number of electoral votes with 73, while Adams came in third with 65. This was, however, a mix-up. 
The Democratic-Republican electors were supposed to have one elector abstained from voting for Burr, which would make Jefferson president and Burr vice president. In the 1800 election, states selected their electors from April until October. The last state to select its electors, South Carolina, selected Democratic-Republicans but neglected to have one voter abstain. The final vote was thus a tie.